Oh, hi, Cool from the UK. I was just listening to some of your Champions episodes on YouTube, and I was wondering, how do you deal as a GM with players' actions and how those actions uh, interact with the wider setting? Because too often, I think, in games, players are in a little bubble. Um, they're just following the clues, and everything they do doesn't really have an impact on the wider setting. For example, in the last Champions games, there's lots of explosions and cars blowing up. Do you, as a GM, want to have like a little notepad and go, right, um, there would be a police investigation, how would they deal with all these bodies and burning cars, and keep that on a back burner and use it as a story thread that might you might thread through into the main plot later on, or do you say, that was an action scene, that's done, we're back onto the main plot now. Um, cheers, man. Uh, carry on, carrying on. <laughs> with another excellent question specifically to champions mark is a player extraordinaire you'd be blessed to have him on your squad if he ever did want to play but uh be ready mark always uh shoots high put it this way if you want to shoot high he'll he'll try to shoot high right along with you but that question that you asked is exactly why i decided to try to run a champions game. I didn't have a good answer for that question, but therein lied a very important question to answer for me to run a really, really good comic book game. So. So where that all ends up so far, has been shadowy higher federal agencies. Uh, an example is the the army. So far, everything has been a kick the can like your worst uh, Jason Bourne paranoid movie setup. Shadowy organizations, immense influence if not power, shutting down avenues of inquiry, and for the car explosions that actually was brought up in a real interesting way knockout before the session began said he had a real problem with the results of the actions taking to explode those cars were really out of proportion to character concept knockout has a do-gooder outlook and a code versus killing and that got walked all over mostly by myself in describing the action what occurred so retconning we had to retcon that mostly because the player brought up some really good points on how this the the situation was adjudicated and that is why when you say, do I have a checklist? Do I have a notebook? And the answer is yes. That's the purpose of this whole exercise with taping the episodes. The only reason I knew that I had mishandled that completely, uh, the situation with the exploding cars and the death of civilians, uh, I would it would have been remembered. And so having it on tape, I didn't have to do that answer your primary question though i'm spinning plates 
I'm spinning plates up, plausibility, plausible deniability. I'm delaying the ultimate reveal at the end of the chain of consequences, which gets set up by these extraordinary actions that are out of proportion with normal reality. So the spinning of the plates are all tantalizing clues into what should be a satisfying concrete event or instigating force. And the quality of that is going to decide at the end whether it was really a good game or not. And I think that's a real common way a lot of people run games, especially gives a good light on starting other campaigns. It's so much easier to maintain fascination at the outset than during farther down the line. And so this retconning aside, the question still stands, how does this work? And I'm just passing the buck until the, to the higher authority, the higher jurisdiction, the feds are locked out of the army. Who's talking to who in the army and who's the shadowy people that seem to be behind that on top of that, adding, uh, another thread with arson in the city. And having those weave together and keep fascination until they have to be revealed. Within that area, in that space, is a point and a time to get creative and how to keep things fascinating. And uh, once again, I go back to pace. I'm trying to keep a fast pace. So one, another way, you don't have these complications catching up to you. You're outdistancing them with the sheer force of action. And the final answer to do this successfully is read more comic books. I got to go back to more source material. I've gone through an, uh, a lot of Daredevil Miller and that other guy, the artist, Daredevil comics collections to get up to speed. And so now I need to look at some other heroes and I've had a chance. So that's be the next step to finalize and have my own answer, my very own answer to this intriguing question. Thank you. Oh, hi, another call from the UK. Um, previous to one of your early episodes about sort of players doing stuff, um, how do you feel as a GM? How how uh, how do you feel like alignment should work, uh, or careers or professions depending on the setting? Um, I have a problem with D and D. I think some of the alignments are too restrictive. That's why I think sort of being neutral is the way to go. But on the other hand, I've played in games where characters have picked a particular profession and then, in my opinion, acted against it. Uh, for example, if your character is a priest of light, um, I don't think they should be doing kind of evil things. Uh, but then the player would argue, well, this is what the plot suggests. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Do you kind of, not punish, but do you put restrictions on that player or consequences? Or do you let them play kind of as a neutral character and uh, not really referring to their history? Uh, looking forward to more episodes. Cheers, man, and take care. Let's go. Let's go for two today. Another fantastic question from Mark that cuts right to the building blocks of my world building, my idea of play. And 
I now only apply alignments to the game's non-player characters. It's my handle on how the varied crowds of endless personalities should be played. One reason I grabbed basic fantasy role-playing as my retro clone, BX retro clone of choice, was its absence of alignment so that I didn't have to debate it with player characters, which leads to playing in an erratic manner that jars with the character concept in play, I think was the second question you had. How do you handle someone that's not on board? And I want to... One, I avoid it by playing with adults. I think uh, who you play with is important in this regard. Uh, I expect everyone to meet the the game's expectations, the genre's expectations. And if something is so jarring that it rattles everyone at the table and brings the game to a stop and leaves more questions than answered or is disruptive, then, I mean, those are clear signs that you're out of the expectations of everybody else and the problems with the players. So I've never had to do that, but you at the end, you got to say this game's not for you. Uh, and I think that's important, and uh, that's easier said than done. And But so far, I haven't had to confront that. That puts my attitude, because there's the other part of it, as I either let it pass by, hope it works out, pray that no one gets offended, you know, just kind of hope for the best. That's the other way I uh, deal with it. Thanks. Look forward to uh, more explorations of these game-winning questions with Mark. Thank you.